Mary spends her first night in the hospital. Wendy doesn't know her bones. We announce our weird contest winners and read their limericks. All this and more on The Leftscape. I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And hi, I'm Robin Renee. And we are, let's see, what what's this week? What's happening this week, Wendy? Well, it's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week and National Line Dance Week. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like some of those. It's also Balance Awareness Week, which I think... Um, is relevant to things that have happened. I'm very aware of my balance now. <laughs> it's it's also assisted living week, um, and waffle week. Mm. <laughs> so get your waffles, babes. Um, <laughs> and it's also uh, this week is also days of prayer and remembrance because yesterday. Uh, was September 11th, and that's you know the anniversary of. Um, 9-11. It's uh, National Video Games Day um, and also National Report Medicare Fraud Day, which I think is kind of weird to have a national day to do that. Um, I guess it's interesting. Anyone who wants to raise awareness about something, they create a day for it. So yeah. why not? <laughs> and here's one and, Mary likes. Oh, National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Although I have to confess that my favorite is strawberry milkshakes. Well, my favorite is chocolate milkshakes, so okay. I'll have yours. Okay. You have. <laughs> so long as I can strawberry one. National Day of Encouragement? Yes, do oh. the thing. Do the I... thing. Everybody do the thing. What's the thing? Whatever. Whatever I'm you're encouraging. That you're not I'm encouraging people. Do. I mean, you're encouraging me, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also National Day of the Programmer. That's or international International Day of the Programmer. That's um, an important one. Yeah. So thank you, all programmers. I used to be one of you. Uh, I am not anymore, and honestly, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I actually programmed something once. I was learning DOS. Back in okay. oh, wow. <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So all of my all of my uh, all of my technology stuff is now obsolete. So I've lived long enough to have created some really amazing things that are all now obsolete and useless. So so yay me! I'm going to encourage myself. <laughs> I'll encourage you. Keep on doing obsolete stuff. All right. <laughs> Where's my? Uh, of course, my clay tablets and cuneiform stylus thing. <laughs> um, speaking of clay tablets and, and cuneiform, on this day in 1940, the Lascaux cave paintings were discovered. 
um, That's giving weird. all artists angst for the rest of time. <laughs> so, um, as one of my friends um, pointed out, as I was looking through her giant coffee table book of Lesko paintings, it's like uh, all of it's like art. They kind of did everything in art ten thousand years ago, and we're just sort of copying ever since. So. <laughs> Well, 1990, German occupation rights were relinquished, paving the way for the reunification of East and West Germany. Hey, you know what? Where I'm sitting here, people don't know about this yet, but I'm on a couch, and I can't get off the couch. But I can see right on my wall, I have a piece of the wall. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. Uh, A friend of mine was there, and she had a... She had it on her wall for a long time, and then when she moved, she had to get rid of a lot of stuff, and she gave it to me. That's awesome. Yeah. My ex-husband was there, and he brought back a piece of the wall and told me about it and didn't give me one. So. Uh, well, he told you about it. Wasn't that yeah, to make me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> we have some birthdays. Um... We've got the uh, illustrious Barry White with the sexy mm-hmm. music man. <laughs> Jennifer, I just re- I remember his 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 guest appearance on The Simpsons, where he was mm-hmm. singing to the snakes. I don't remember I, that one. Oh, did he charm them all? What happened? It's well, it was uh, it's the whacking day episode where the the town of Springfield gets like kills snakes apparently for some strange reason and um they they discovered that the snakes like low bass tones <laughs> so they hired Barry White to sing and they put these big speakers and Lisa um I think I think there Lisa was against the snake whacking and I mm-hmm. think she explained to Barry White what was going on and I and enlisted his help in helping to save the snakes instead of them getting whacked so mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> brought in uh, Barry Gibb instead to save the snakes <laughs> a lot of interesting parallels in that story. I like it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking that we should ask our listeners to com- put in our comments um, how many of them lost their virginity listening to the music of Barry White. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the- I did not. No, not, not I. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer Hudson's birthday is today. Jesse Owens, Neil Peart, awesome. Uh, Ben Folds, and H.L. Mencken, Maurice Chevalier. Maurice Chevalier. Chevalier. Thank you. I do not know this person. Please explain. Oh, oh, hang on. He, well, he's he's an older generation person. Um, he's he's a French singer. Do you, yes, you don't watch Marx Brothers movies, huh? I do. That's how I know who he is. I have, but I admit I'm not a, a scholar. <laughs> uh, a Night at the Opera. Oh. Yeah. They, Maurice Chevalier, I believe, was also on the boat, and all three of the Marx Brothers were doing terrible impersonations of him they, at customs to get into the United States. They were trying to pose as him, yeah. And they, yeah. Including, <laughs> and they were, including, including Harpo. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Harpo. Oh, what's his name? I'm He's, having a senior moment. The one who does Harpo. 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 
He even does Murray <laughs> Chevalier imitation. With a record player. He record player hidden under his coat. And if the nightingale could sing like you, it'd sing much sweeter <laughs> than they do. Because you have a new kind of love for me. This is good. This is this is for why is this awesome segment at some point. Because I want to hear more of your Marx Brothers knowledge. That's very cool. Okay. Mm. Um, and, and it's also Ian Holmes' birthday. And he's an actor who um, has been in a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, gosh. I think the one that's right playing in my in my brain right now in the background is is uh, his his uh, a supporting role in the Fifth Element. The Fifth Element. We are now at this segment of our podcast uh, for news of the week, and you have news, so tell us. Yeah, well. Just in time for Labor Day weekend, I slipped on my basement steps and uh, and my leg kind of twisted one way or, and the other and I looked down and I went, oh, that's not right because my leg was going in one direction and my foot was going in the other direction. So I broke my ankle and I've been, I only just got out of the hospital. I had to have plates put in there and pins put in there and yeah it's a miserable thing kind of overwhelming but um it it gave me an interesting perspective because i i have never been in the hospital before i've led a charmed life i've not had really this this is your first break your first broken bone wow my first broken bone because normally I'm a pretty graceful person. I don't fall all that much. It was interesting to me too. At, at one point I thought I was gonna go crazy. I had to keep on getting out of the bed to use a commode. So I could do that, that's fine. But then once they did the operation and put the pins in and stuff, they said, you can't do that. You have to use a bedpan. I went, oh, okay, I I don't really like this idea because I have to call somebody in. They have to stick it in under me. It's not comfortable and everything. And what I did not know was that they were giving me this IV of saline solution continuously. So I was continuously getting liquid coming in one direction and then going out the other. And I I had to keep (laughs) calling these people in and um, they were putting the thing under. And by, by about the fifth time, I said, you know what? I wasn't allowed to drink anything all day long yesterday because waiting for the operation. Where is all this water coming from if I'm peeing continuously? And then I see the IV bag and I said, can I get that taken off? Of course, they wouldn't get it taken off. They said, oh no, the doctor wants you to flush your system. And I'm thinking, well, the doctor doesn't have to deal with this. So I I was said, is there anything else we can do? And they said, oh, well, maybe you can use the the device. And I went, what's the device? That sounds scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they had some kind of device and they pulled it out. It was kind of a pump thing. And then they, she's pulling this thing out and it looks like a dildo. Right? It, what? it just looks like this dildo with a with a clear plastic tube hooked up to it and it's hooked up to a, 
a pump, and I'm thinking, you're not going to stick that up me, are you? <laughs> you know? Like, ow, that's going to hurt. And then she said, no, they they have, like, on the side, it was kind of open, and it had this sponge thing. And she said, you just have to place this over your crotch, you stick it in there, and you hold hold it together with your legs, and then you just go. Uh, huh. Okay. And I, my body refused to go. <laughs> then once once I finally couldn't hold it in anymore, I was like a fountain. Oh, and and this I could hear this the tubes, these long things of tubes going up to the the pump where it was all getting collected, and it was it was like I was a fountain, and it was all running around there, and it went on all night long, and it got to the point where. I could. I had no control over whether pee was coming out of me or not, and I'm thinking, this is not a good thing. This is. I'm never going to be able to control this again. <laughs> so, so I, I just, uh, I thought that was weird. Glad you sound better than you know the few, the few texts we exchanged and stuff when you were just in there. I mean, you're on the mend, even though. I'm sure well, this yeah. still sucks. I always try to look at things and say, what can I get out of this? I, I can use this someday. So <laughs> if I ever have to be crazy or direct somebody to be crazy, I'll just say, think about having to pee and not being allowed to pee. Oh, so anyway, that's the whole story about my breaking my ankle and uh, the inconvenience it's causing. And... Uh, one of the major things, because this was Labor Day weekend, I had, as some of you may know, I am the editor of my teachers union newsletter, and I was sending out a particularly scathing thing about Brett Kavanaugh and how how we really have to block his nomination. And um, I was sending that out to all the teachers, and I didn't get it sent out. So I just want to take this opportunity anyway to tell our listeners to get hold of your representatives and tell them you don't like Kavanaugh and that he should not be on the Supreme Court because he's really a terrible, evil man. There we go. That's all I have to say. So this week's topic that we're going to talk about uh, is when things blow up on Facebook. Um, and I guess I'm, out of the three of us, I'm the poster child for that. Because um, <laughs> this has happened to me a couple of times in the last month or two. And and what we mean by that, by when things blow up on Facebook, is uh, my, my specific examples are I will post a meme that I've seen on somebody else's page, I repost it, and then I'll go like do some work or I'll go have lunch or I'll go out and do a thing and then I come back an hour or two later and there's like a hundred comments and people who should under normal circumstances like each other are calling each other all kinds of names and blocking them and people are blocking and, and it's like, it, it just blows up into this horrible clusterfuck. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's what we're talking about right now. So I'm curious as to what, do you know if there's a specific topic 
that people get the most riled about on your page? Um, yeah, it 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 it, uh, it has to do with uh, the qualifier all, and what? or it, it has to do it has to do it. It's mostly it's mostly one of these uh, things uh, that are based on about misogyny or the patriarchy and getting rid of uh, that. I thought you so, were saying it was grammar. <laughs> it, it has to do with grammar. It has to do with grammar because it's it even if it doesn't say the actual words all men, if all men are implied, I have some people who are uh, they will get their torches and pitchforks out and start with that and it's it's like the actual message that that is trying to be conveyed is completely lost on them and they just will they will they will focus on the all men and you know like like a weasel with a piece of meat you cannot get it out of their jaws <laughs> and and it will go on until i don't even know um hashtag not all weasels <laughs> yeah um and it's it's yeah. <laughs> so, so since you've had this experience a lot, uh, have you learned anything from it? Yeah, I've actually learned that that um, I do have uh, I have some bigoted attitudes towards men in the patriarchy. Actually, it it actually uh, it took I think it took um, a few arguments on Facebook for me to realize that you know okay. Um, that I'm not using necessarily the right language to explain this and these are people who would normally be allies that I don't want to alienate although some of my other more feminist friends are telling me I should kick them to the curb and they're not really allies and I don't know mm -hmm. um, I mean they're and and sounds like they're I mean, a bunch, that was, bunch of big babies yeah yeah and except that except that they do have a point and it's like i you know it's one of these things where where on the one hand if you if you feel attacked by reading something and it doesn't really apply to you why are you feeling attacked yeah um and it's also you know i i think the last time this blew up is um, I, I and I don't have it up on my on my computer screen to read, so I got to do this from memory. It was a meme that said, you know, uh, when I hear quote all men are trash unquote, I am reminded of this quote by Muhammad Ali, which I'm going to completely paraphrase, and I mm -hmm. think also the quote that it was in the meme was also not an exact quote because somebody eventually in the in the hundred comments said this isn't exactly what he said and, and gave a link to the actual thing. So I, mean, uh, I know what really, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, you saw that. Um, yeah, it said something like, like you know if if there's you know ten thousand white people that want to kill me and 500 of them are, are going to be my friends um how do i figure out which one is the one that's not going to kill me yeah you know? and should um, i should i like just open myself up to all of them and hope right. that hope for the best yeah and then and then later i posted i came up with a different analogy that i thought was apt and it was driving 
Like if you're in a car and you're like on the parkway or on a highway or even anywhere, but I, I keep thinking of like you know, multi-lane highways as a good example. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know which of the other cars around you is gonna suddenly decide to like change lanes, you know, to, to cause an yeah. accident that either involves you or involves something in front of you, that, you know. Yeah, so you have, to, you have to be on alert. And I'm trying, and, and it's basically trying to explain to people why there are women who feel they need to be on alert in the company of men. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I thought know. that was a very good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and people there were we had a, a quiet discussion about it. Not everybody completely agreed, and then it got into some weird thing about driving. <laughs> about women drivers ah. no no it didn't it didn't it didn't get into the women drivers I mean but my analogy was I was I thought it was a pretty good analogy because like you know then you want to drive in such a way uh, as to protect the motorcycles and the cyclists and the pedestrians mm. which are other you know which which is my analogy for other groups of vulnerable mm. people I think everybody, who has driven a car has that feeling of having to be alert, you know, be it's part of being a good driver. And um All right, well defensive driving. And I think a lot right. of people live or a lot you know, a lot of women now presenting people um, live in that mode all the time. Yeah, and I'm trying to explain that to people who have privilege and a lot of them don't seem to get it. And that's, and that's, you know, I, and, and it's like some of my friends are trying to explain the actual mindset of a woman or a minority or, you know, some vulnerable person. This is how they are all the time. And, or most, you know, when they're out in the world, if they're, you know, if they're not at home and they don't feel, you know, not in their safe area, that that's how they feel. And it's like, they're, they don't even want to talk about that. They want to talk about the word all, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that's, you know. that's what my argument, that's what, when it blows up on my wall, because I don't have my Facebook pages friends only because I really don't want random trolls coming in and, and like, you know, just st stirring shit. Cause I Ooh, have enough, sure. of, I have enough friends that'll stir shit for me. Yeah. So this is one thing I'm curious about. So do any of the people that take, uh, exception to the word all also are, do they also have a self-examination, uh, function or, you know, do they say, do they look and say, you know, I have really explored misogyny and this is where I am in understanding it and all, and I also disagree with the, the use of the word all or do you find that the people that say it's not all men are what? mostly <laughs> just not, not not interested in examining that whole topic I couldn't tell you um, it's a lot of the times and and I and it's and I guess this is also my fault it's like I will post something and it's like then it's blowing up and it's like I got shit to do today I don't have time to a wade through a hundred comments and discuss this 
you know, especially like typing on my phone because I'm not home. I'm not on my not on my laptop where I can actually type pretty fast. I'm like typing with my one my one finger, and it's like, and every time I try to say of, it says if, and and it's, you know, I don't have time for this. It's like, okay. <laughs> you I know, you should just and, and take also, the original post down. I did. Yeah. The first one I did. Uh, the second one I left up. It kind of died down, um, and the driving one never blew up. So. And, and the thing that kind of blew my mind about this was after the uh, Sandy Hook school shooting, mm -hmm. I had a very rational and polite discussion about gun control with my uber pa uh, pacifist, you know, anti-gun friends and my friends that have guns and like guns and do gun things. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And that didn't blow up. So well, I figured, good. okay, why did, you know, how, and it's the same group of people. So I, you know, it's like, like, why is this, why can we have a discussion about gun rights and not about, you know, misogyny? It's like, what? It, it kind of really confused me. I think the idea of what, of masculinity is more essential to people's understanding of themselves. Yeah. Okay. You know, gun owning, I guess, is a thing, but... It's not good. It's not a core value, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think for some people, it's it's super important, you know, because the the first thing they say is like, "Don't take my gun," you know. But <laughs> I think, I think that's true. You know, I have, I've been thinking a lot about trying to talk with friends who I think don't examine racism very closely. You know, friends who are white who. Um, well, I think, what is the podcast? Um, uh, with friends like these, which is, I, okay. um, it's just often interesting. Um, but she uses, she says, well-meaning white folks, or, you know, and there's a mm -hmm. lot of people who are activists and who want to do the right thing all the time, who don't necessarily um, engage fully in understanding racism, or they're more engaged in thinking, well, I'm not racist because I do these good things. Mm -hmm. You know, and how do you, I think sometimes about how do I approach topics like that with friends who are, are you know, are, are working on those issues, but in some ways maybe more nominally than they think, <laughs> you know. Okay. And and so I wonder, like, if, the, if I, when I say certain things, are they going to hear, like, well, not all white people, you know, and sort of respond in a similar way, because that is sort of part of who you are it's part of one's just you know yeah. being as opposed to like a thing that they someone does okay you know? i've seen posts that are addressing i believe the issues that you're talking about and they're a lot of times prefaced with a paragraph like if you don't think this applies to you it doesn't so i don't want to hear not all blah 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 mm -hmm. they just preface they preface it that, like that is, and they also say, I don't want to talk about that. Don't even, you say, say, don't right. even say that because I don't want to talk about that. And I, you know, and when I posted my uh, egregious meme, um, <laughs> I uh, did not, I just posted it with no comment, which I guess was a mistake from the beginning. And I kind of learned my lesson. I had to do it twice to learn my lesson. Um, and, uh, and then I also, needed the other thing i needed to learn was when i'm looking at a meme created by somebody else 
that I have to read it critically to see if it is in fact doing something that's going to actually, you know, help. I think that's that's true. Like a couple of things. I mean, I think sometimes I don't think the answer is if you don't think supply issue, it doesn't. I think sometimes it might very well apply <laughs> and maybe you don't want to hear it. So I guess, you know, I don't know. So I think there's reason to put things out there um, even when it's a hard challenge for people. But I do agree that I sometimes I look at things and I go, is the joke worth it to repost? Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll chuckle at something and I'll say, you know, it's just a, it's kind of a low humor thing that I don't really need to perpetuate, even if I find it amusing, <laughs> you know, something. <laughs> My Facebook blowups that I've, I tend not to get involved in them too much. I did get into one one time when someone was insisting that bisexual people are transphobic and they feel threatened around bi people because they're not inclusive of trans and non-binary people. Uh And I, you know, and I thought I was trying to be civil and explaining that I actually embody both of those things. And um, I, I, you know, the the definition of bisexuality is not what you think it is. And that didn't really go well. (laughs) But um, what I see more of is I tend to talk about those kind of controversial topics in groups where people are Mm. there to discuss a particular topic, be it polyamory or some intersection of gender and race or something like that. And I, because I'm not interested in posting things on my general page because I, most of those folks I'm not interested in having a deep discussion with on those topics. You know, there's a mm. lot of intersection, but um, mostly like, uh, let's go to a group and this is where we talk about this thing. And that doesn't, you know, doesn't preclude argument for sure. In fact, I've seen some really huge blowups, especially because there's so many uh, depending on who the monitors are, there's a lot of different rules that people set. And if right. people don't exactly follow the letter of everything, um, you can get into trouble and banned or, or whatever. Um, and I don't know, I've become a lurker on groups where, where there's a lot of constant argument. I, is, I'm not, um, I don't think a lot of it's productive. I think there is, there can be some, uh, some ability to be awakened to things like if, if someone says something that someone else finds offensive and you know, you can learn about, especially if you're saying new to a community, you can learn about what's understood there and what's important and how to express oneself in the, you know, the way that you can be best heard, I guess. But I think there's a lot of that that is honestly not helpful. Um, so I kind of step out of it, honestly. You know, um, however, I had an interesting insight the other day, um, about a month ago, where I've I've gotten very caught up in, even if I'm not participating in this argument, like feeling like the argument is the absolute biggest thing that's happening in that world, like for example, like in polyamory, and say, there's so many different examples, I can't even think of one right now. But say that someone <laughs> someone used a term that other people find, or someone found offensive, and it becomes a big blow up. Um, I was talking to someone uh, about a month ago, and I, we were talking about that sort of topic where, well, what do you do when um, someone gets really upset about saying you 
talking about, say, like appropriation, and maybe you disagree on what was appropriated or not. And I mentioned like an example of what someone could get upset about, and she said, really? People get mad at that? It was just kind of like she hadn't even heard about it and wasn't part of the whole culture that makes it a big deal, you know? And it kind of said to me like, oh, I, you don't have to actually dwell in that. You can, you know, and sometimes there, I think it's important to visit hmm. certain ideas and see what, and maybe there's something relevant there to learn, but the constant sort of antagonism, you don't actually yeah. have to be in that circle. You could just step out of it. <laughs> and it was, it was sort of shocking because I didn't, uh, I hadn't really fully realized that because I'm just so much sort of in par- part of that culture. So that was a good to remember, you know, and that's very, and I think it's absolutely valid to just not participate in those arguments, really. Yeah, I, I am not very active in a lot of Facebook groups. I mean, there were back before in the days, in the, in the olden days before Facebook, there were other online communities that I was very active in. But anyway, I I will say, as I admitted before, that, that these discussions, I actually, you know, I sat there and I thought about it for a while, and and uh, I realized that I do have some um, bigoted attitudes about men. Mm. And that's not to say that they, you know, that, that it's not necessarily justified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, it, but that, but just knowing this, it like it does give you understanding about how a person's life experience can inform their prejudices, and uh, but the but to me the um, when your when your life experience is only for example television shows or how or or you know some crazy ranty guy on YouTube, um, how that can not work well out in the real world where you're dealing with real people. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I don't assume that every man I meet is going to assault me in one way or another, but I understand that these guys are out there. I've had shitty experiences. They are not as shitty as a lot of other people's. Mm-hmm. Um, but it informs my attitude towards men in general and it it's maybe it's not fair Mm -hmm. um but you know how and it's like how do you dismantle the patriarchy (laughs) you know it's like how do we do that it's and and i guess it's not going to happen in my lifetime but i would sure like to see like a step or two would be nice yeah i think we're we're seeing changes um we're seeing yes and no yeah well yeah of course you know a lot of things the more they change the more they stay the same or whatever but i mean um the expansion of gender and the understanding of gender obviously some people are very resistant to that but i feel in recent years have been it's been really important for me to talk about being non-binary and gender fluid and um, the more people experience that and know that and know people who identify that way, I think it begins to 
shift the idea of what masculinity and femininity is and that they aren't these absolute binaries and mm. maybe some male you know people who are born male are going to not learn as um learn the behaviors that cause such harm you know and and um others of us can well we all we all can learn that that there aren't these sort of extreme um ways of being or harmful ways of being and i don't, i mean that sounds very utopian but i think it's i think we're on the road to more people having a better grip on that act i hope so me too i hope so me too This is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan. Tweet at me at spiritrocksexy. And follow me on Instagram at robinreneemusic. I would love to hear from you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. So, Yay, weird contest! Yay. So, uh, <laughs> so we, uh, we got 52 entries in our weird contest that we ran in August, which was to give us a limerick about the GOP. Um, and great, they great were ones. all brilliant. Really fun it one. was a very difficult, um, very difficult uh, judging process that we went through. Um, and I th and we have it. We have our three winners. Each of us kind of picked our favorite out of the batch and um i think what we're going to do is we're going to post each of our short lists on the website over this month we're going to read the limericks that we that are the winners and we will be publishing on our website and on social media our favorites and probably all the other entries at some point too so so they get prizes, right? Yeah. Well, we also need to contact them and tell them, and we need a, an address to ship prizes to them. So uh, yay! Yes. Yeah, so we'll get in touch with everyone. Yeah. And, and right yeah. now the prizes are secret, mostly because you haven't mm -hmm. figured out exactly what they are. <laughs> but it's all good stuff. <laughs> or or weird stuff. Uh, weird, weird good. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. So who's gonna go first? I'll go first. Okay. My, yeah. 
And this one is by David Sklar at Hair Bedragons. And it's a lot of fun. Let's see if I can get into my limerick frame of mind. Awaiting the other shoe's clomp, the president clings to his pump and insists you misheard a critical word. What I said was that I'd train the swamp. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. (laughs) Okay. My favorite one is by... Facebook user Broken Humorous, uh, and it's spelled as humorous as funny, not humorous as in leg bone. Um, so uh, he's already this person. I, I gendered them I as a he. Humorous is they. in your arm. No, is it? I thought the humorous was a, the leg. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah. they wrote <clears throat> in diplomacy, Trump is a klutz. With his tweets, he sounds just plain nuts. It sure would be great if he just abdicate and retire to play with his putts. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the double entendre I, there. I, I will fall for a double entendre every time. Especially so, a Yiddish one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for future contest entry people, remember that I like I like double entendres and Yiddish. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And the humorous is in the upper arm. Okay, (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And here's one uh, by Jay Dobkin. From across the pond, writing in verse, I admit Brits have reason to curse. But despite how complex it is dealing with Brexit, over here we have Trump, which is worse. (laughs) 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 So thank you, Jay, for that one. And thanks, we'll, everyone. Thank you, everyone. We'll, we'll read some more of these next week, won't we? Sure, why not? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I wanna, and I want to overpost them. We'll, we'll definitely post They're them. definitely getting posted. Um, mm-hmm. So if you are one of the winners and you haven't heard from us, please email us at insight@leftscape.com and say, where the hell are my prizes? But we want to say thank you so much to everybody who sent us limericks. We are going to post some of our other favorites and everyone really did a great job. Um, so thanks very much to Dotcom Shadow, Madeline Bedan Kane, Jay Dobkin, Marie Gilbert, Sharon Neiman, Broken Humorist, John Nice, Richard Campbell, David Sklar, Ross Blankard, Muller She Wrote, which is a fantastic podcast that I cannot get enough of. They are funny and talk all about the Muller investigation and much more that's happening with uh, 45 and his uh, cronies, (laughs) and George Fox. Um, Thank you to everybody so much. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday. 